Hello and welcome to the One Football Podcast. Yeah, I'll stick them on. Then I can always get a good idea of what people are saying. Look at this, black and gold. Yeah, this is, these are Ryan's. Black and gold. They're Ryan's. Yeah. Even better. I'd like to always have a bit of Ryan in my life. Cook on the Right. So we're good. Okay, yeah, very good. Oh, All right. So you're you're excited about the Christmas party? Yeah, I think it should be good. Getting the uh, festive spirit. You don't look too excited, Ian. I never know how to feel about these things. I'm sort of a Grinch. Me too. I'm not. You're not. I would have put you down as more of a social butterfly. Oh yeah, no. I'm probably gonna enjoy it, but. Mm-hmm. We had our team event on Monday. Now mm-hmm. it's next next company event in this week. It's just like, oh, yeah. I've done my share for the week, you know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Too much partying. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, when you're a big celebrity like you, Nico, that's how it rolls. Mm. Uh, you're excited too. I'm excited to see you in a suit. Why? Why? <laughs> because we've never seen it that way. I mean, we don't. We are going to go do live versions of these podcasts, or at least video versions of this podcast, at some stage in the future, and then people will know how great a dresser Francesco is. <laughs> Not true. Today he's really basic. Today you're looking a bit shabby. I'll give you that. But <laughs> but generally, and I think you, the other two will back me up on this. He's an impeccable dresser. So yeah, I think so he's gonna he's really good in a he's, suit. He's gonna turn up in like a Versace suit. Yeah. No, it, yeah. it's bodgy. I don't know if you have it. It's definitely better whatever than whatever suit I will have. Yeah. In the next po- podcast, we we'll do the ranting of our how we were suited. Oh good yeah, idea. okay, all right, that's not a bad idea. Yeah. Good idea. Okay, or maybe our we'll- ranking of the Christmas party. <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, joining me, Ian McCord, on today's One Football Podcast is Alex Mutt. Hello. Nico Hamer. Hey. And Francesco Porzio. Hello. Keep all the questions coming in. The address for that is podcast at onefootball.com. Uh, it doesn't even have to be questions. It could be any quirky observations. Could be a call for less Alex, <laughs> more Andre Gonzalez, yeah. that sort of thing. Just, just keep them coming in. In fact, we actually got an email dissing Andre the other day. Oh, why? Oh. Yeah. Well, I saw that. You, you, you saw this? Yeah, the, the the description is amazing. Did this person accused him of not knowing where Kentucky is? Right. Okay. <laughs> we'll bring it up with him next time he's on. It's where the colonel's from. It it's is right. where the colonel's. Yeah. I mean, is that why you call him the Andrea Pirlo Denburka? That no, that's a different person. Uh, different that's person, a different okay. person altogether. And. <laughs> Anyway, let's get this out of the way from the start and we can get on to talking about real football things. We had the Ballon d'Or on Monday, won by Luka Modric. Was it the right decision? Francesco. It's a long conversation here, but... Oh, (laughs) no. If Modric embraces all the people that didn't win the Ballon d'Or in the last 20 years, including Pirlo, including Totti, Iniesta, Iniesta, Schneider, all of them, that's the right decision because it seemed for everyone, like he said actually in the post interview. But the question is always, are we celebrate, like, are we giving the Ballon d'Or to the uh, best player in the world and, or the best player of this year? Mm. Well, that's the question. If we're rewarding the best player in 2018, then it should have gone to Messi. If should we go to Messi? Yeah. Best, he's the best player in the world in 2018. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. If we're rewarding someone who's had the best season, it should probably go to Varane because he won the Champions League and the World Cup. That is the case I would make here. But, um, yeah. but frankly, who cares? <laughs> yeah, <absolutely. laughs> who cares? Well, to be perfectly honest. Thinking about it, I mean, because I thought about this too and I, I dug up some, some messy stats. 41 goals, 20 assists for uh, Barcelona in 45 games. 61 goals in total. Yeah. Uh, led the absolute rabble that was Argentina to the last 16. Came relatively close to quarterfinals and scored the goal of the tournament. Yeah. Uh, and Barcelona is, won the Liga. And yeah, he was ranking number five, right, Messi? Yeah. yeah. Which is absurd. So, it is. Yeah. And for me, you could rather make a case for Messi than you could for Ronaldo, if you ask me. Because mm. individually, just from the stats, he had a better season than Ronaldo when it comes to goals. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Actually, yeah, yeah. he won more titles. He won more titles. 
I mean, Cristiano won the Champions League yeah, again. Okay, okay yeah. That, that little thing called Champions League. And that, <laughs> and that goal against Juventus, only that thing deserved the Ballon d'Or for me. Well, so what are we what are we ranking then? How yeah. are we ranking then? Yeah. I, mean, I just... Okay. Is it... No. Just because he scored the best goal. I also think that, for example, Bappe will deserve the Ballon d'Or this Th- year. That is Why like, not? That is <laughs> like, look, that's the, that's what I want to say is, of course Modric was great, but I don't really get the ranking here. Okay, he won the Champions League, fair. But then again, he was in the World Cup final and we had players on the other side that won the Champions League too, talking about Rafael Varane. Yeah. How is that more worth But now? this yeah. is finally happening, actually, because all the last year we said, okay, Mo, uh, Ronaldo and Messi are great, but there are players that did an amazing year that were not even the top three. And Iniesta or uh, Snyder in 2010 are a great example. So this year, the finally someone won the Ballon d'Or that is instead of Messi. Cristiano Ronaldo, we say, oh no, but Messi and Cristiano Ronaldo are better than, than Modric. So that we are always wrong, you know? <laughs> well, yeah, there's never a perfect choice. I think what's what should be a bigger talking point and what is a, what is a bit more worrying who cares no <laughs> it's the way like Griezmann came out afterwards yeah. and said like what do I have to do to win the Ballon d'Or mate you've just won the World Cup <laughs> <laughs> who cares why do you care uh, so by much by the end I think that Griezmann was satisfied I mean you could see his face and reaction during but the I just night think this Cristiano Ronaldo was not even there yeah. for example but where did Griezmann come in the end third third yeah but oh, okay. won the Euro- Europa League right the Europa League yeah, yeah. yeah. and he scored twice yeah. in both Um, Europa League final and, Ch- and uh, World Cup final. But don't you think Modric would rather have won the World Cup than won the Ballon d'Or? It's just like, yeah, why, d- why are you getting so irate about it? And I think it's a very worrying Modric sign. Modric doesn't care about players. anything. Well, yeah, but <laughs> what, doesn't look like he cares. So. What was lovely afterwards is that um, there was pictures of uh, Madrid and uh, Modric with the Ballon d'Or and all his teammates. And it genuinely seems like he, he's quite appreciated at Madrid. Yeah. Mm. They all seemed very, very happy for him, which made me feel warm inside. <laughs> I know exactly the picture you're talking about, and mm-hmm. I kind of felt the same. I, lo- I saw this picture, it made me happy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but let's remember that Modric wanted to leave Real Madrid this summer <laughs> to go to Inter. <laughs> just saying, just going to leave this year. Okay. <laughs> okay. Uh, should we ban individual awards in a team sport? Yes. yes. No. Yes, 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 yes. <laughs> Completely. I mean, yes. I'm very happy with my under 11 wolf tone most improved player award but <laughs> I don't think everybody needs that or make clear rules say the, the, the player that won the most important cups however you rank them wins that or the player who scores the most goals but because uh, this, then you're leaving out, then the, leaving out the Ballon d'Or yeah. for like the defender for the yeah. midfielder for the striker yeah. for the goalkeeper which deserve them but then somebody will want an overall one I mean, I think it's nonsense, individual awards in a team sport, but yeah, look, there you go. Some, there were some really interesting votes along the way, though. Krizikstan thought Thibaut Courtois was the world best footballer of the year. <laughs> I think they made a mistake. <laughs> they didn't get what was happening. The Central African Republic went for Benzema. Right. Somalia went for Luis Suarez. And St. Kitts and Nevis had a top five of Neymar, Sergio Ramos, Suarez, Alisson and Aguero. Wow. Sri Lanka had Firmino as number two. I mean, I like Firmino as much as the rest, but yeah. number two. Mm. You got to close both eyes to put him on, on, on the second place. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, Manchester United 2, Arsenal 2 was the big game of the week when we get to real football. Mm. Uh, match live up to the hype, Alex? No, not for me. I think we would spoil on Sunday, to be honest. Um, and it sort of shows that goals don't necessarily equal entertainment. Mm. Um, I think all four goals were sort of the products of mistakes by individual players, which was a bit, bit of a shame. I just, it was just very meh. It was sloppy. Yeah, it was sloppy. It just not, it wasn't sort of Man United Arsenal game of yore, really. Both teams were... I don't know, you know, midweek game, they both had games at the weekend, that's always difficult. But yeah, just the atmosphere at Old Trafford didn't seem right. None of the players sort of seemed that into it. it Arsenal was, were wearing that kit. Yeah, that awful oh, toothpaste kit. Um, I don't know, it was just, yeah, just it, it wasn't that exciting, was it? We didn't really get the... Uh, yeah, I feel get, like the, the first goal to the Gia fuck up basically sucked oh, that the was entire good. game up. Yeah. It was somehow that... Yeah, something up pretty good for me. Yeah. I, I enjoyed that. 
Yeah, there was a... Yeah. Oh. Arguably, what happened before the game was actually more interesting with uh, Pogba and yeah. Lukaku being dropped. Um, this is on the back of Mourinho via Duncan Castles, who, as we all know, <laughs> is very well connected <laughs> to uh, the Manchester United dressing room. Having called Pogba a virus, Yes. Uh, writes Castles, according to a dressing room source, Pogba was admonished with the words, you don't play, you don't respect players and supporters, and you kill the mentality of the good, honest people around you. Mm. Alex, famously, you were a professional footballer. Famously, yeah. Yeah, for uh, <laughs> a very large Premier League club. <laughs> um, were you ever called a virus? I was never called a virus, no. no. I was called many things, but not virus. It wasn't that good. Um, I guess how would a dress I mean you've like, like you said you've been in that how would a dressing room react to one of these star players being called a virus like that I think it it depends on the sort of character that that in this instance Pogba is that sounds like Mourinho wants a reaction from his players and from Pogba in particular and I guess it's such a difficult power play situation at Man United at the moment. Pogba is probably their most high-profile player, most important player, arguably. And Mourinho is doing what Mourinho does, like he did with Casillas, um, like he did with Hazard and Diego Costa at Chelsea, trying to belittle them to make them part of a whole squad, I suppose, but make the player part of the whole squad. Uh, And yeah, he just wants that reaction from Pogba. And I guess seeing him on the bench showed potentially that he did get a reaction from Pogba spoke back to him I think Man United are in a really interesting position now in January because obviously Raiola's going to be touting his client round all the big clubs in Europe and do Man United risk losing one of their biggest most high profile most marketable players probably most most importantly in January uh, or to, to just decide with Mourinho who we all know is going to leave in the summer so I think it's going to be a really interesting few months for Man United this is the first transfer market in January that players that are playing the Champions League can go to another team and play the Champions League yeah. oh yeah that Good didn't happen before mm-hmm. yeah. so Pogba can go to Juventus Barcelona or wherever yeah. and play the Champions League and so that's going to be interesting yeah, yeah. it's going to be a big call from the board I, at Man United I think I just really feel that being called a virus is I mean, that's quite bad because yeah. like Alex said, yeah, he has done it before, but no, what he normally does is like he picks out a certain thing a player that's wrong and then completely exaggerates that in front of everybody like he did with Ozil, I remember that at Real. Mm. Um, but this is a, this is another level to me because mm-hmm. I mean, the virus is something that can only be killed because otherwise it's going to kill the team. That is quite bad. <laughs> and it's very oh, yeah. specific. Yeah, it's yeah. not like, too. it's not like just swearing at your players. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. No, he like, picks so them out and basically says, Everybody around you suffers from you being mm-hmm. well, basically. It didn't say a bad person, but it somehow includes it, right? Mm-hmm. I think that a manager can say wherever he wants to players if he wants a reaction, but then he needs the support of the group. I yeah. mean, you can tell that to Cristiano Ronaldo that he is a piece of shit, but you need the whole group together, and they will demonstrate to Mourinho that he was wrong, and that's exactly what happened with Inter and uh, in, in Inter. The old triplete thing started when Inter lost in Atalanta in Bergamo 3-1. And Mourinho in the locker room, he said to the players, oh, you guys won nothing before now. You did terrible, like you, you're not good. And, but he attacked the whole team. Everyone was attacked by mm-hmm. Mourinho in that, in that time. But the group was together mm-hmm. and they had a reaction and Inter started to win game by game. And at the end, they won. Well, I think potentially the group are together at Man United, but they're together against Mourinho, and and that's the problem. Mm -hmm. I actually wrote in his programme notes before the game, Mourinho said, there isn't a space for people that are not ready to give their all for this team, which is the most pointed Mm. pointed comments, I think. But then that is a two-way thing. You know, you can ask for your all from the players, but you need to show your players that you're worth playing for and I just don't think that's the case at all they've just completely lost faith in the manager Mm -hmm. and there's only one he changed it too much like he I remember like even at Chelsea or even Real Madrid he was funny sometimes like he was uh, he was alive yeah. he seems dead it's right yeah. he seems he like he's a dead yeah. man walking yeah. Yeah. and just, he's just doing things without even understanding what's going on and 
he's, he's lost that he charm. Lost passion. Yeah, passion. He lost passion. He lost like, passion. He seems yeah. that he yeah. doesn't he doesn't like doing the manager anymore. No, he's just the, like the weird one. I don't know. He's not a special one. <laughs> like, this yeah. is a question. Like, what do you guys think? Like, if you ask, has Mourinho to go before before next summer? Would you I don't. I think he will stay as long as Man United have a chance. Of I'm asking Champions you though. League. What would you do? What would I do? Yeah. I'd get rid of him as soon you as get possible. Rid of him? Yeah, Francesco. I, I I wouldn't I wouldn't stay with Mourinho anymore now. Honestly, he doesn't. The thing is, as he said, he will stay until the Champions League. Yeah. I think after he will get out of the Champions, he's gonna dismiss or they're gonna sack him or because right now, honestly, what are the options? Yeah, and that's another. <laughs> that's the thing. I mean, who who do you replace him with? But we all I, agree that we would would get rid of him. But the the person, I mean, the the person I would go for if he were available would be Allegri. Yeah, I think Allegri at Manchester United would be. Allegri uh, at some point will be available. I mean, he'll be available, <laughs> and I'm sure he's interested. Not the next Alex Ferguson, Allegri. He nah. he will leave Juventus at some point, but something has to happen. A mm-hmm. terrible season. Mm-hmm. You were winning the Champions League. Oh, for him to he, leave. For him to leave. Juventus. To, uh, to leave Juventus. Mm-hmm. I think if Juve wins the Champions League. Allegri will go. I feel like his time's done. What has yeah. to do? <laughs> yeah. Okay. Well, very good. Uh, one thing I wanted to say about Pogba, um, I watched quite a bit of him when he was at Juventus. I never got the sense that he was this virus type of player. Because he was the best player. <laughs> But it, it was... It, I, don't, I, I mean, I'm wondering what's so different for him at Manchester United than at Juventus. And I don't have the answer. There is it. a number. Yeah. Uh, 110. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Which yeah. is the money that the million that United spent to get Pogba. Mm. And when he was at Juve, he arrived as an unknown player uh, for with, uh, like free from uh, United. Mm. And he played amazingly for the first two, three seasons. And um, he was an unbelievable player. And the whole team was, he was the star. He was like Cristiano Ronaldo right mm. now for Juve. And then right now, I think also tactically, yeah. he's not in he's the not right position. He's in not the, in the right position. That's he why when to... he played for French for the national yeah. team, the World yeah. Cup, it was incredible. Yeah, and yeah. It's the same Pogba is, is right now. I mean, it was six months ago, not even. So Juve was, I think, was not that known. So, you know, it's easier to step mm-hmm. up. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't think he's, he, he's worse now than he was at Juventus. Just that it's not and the it's, right team to play with. Yeah, right it's, now. it's just like you said, he's... he's the highest profile player at Manchester United and it is just not a very good team no and well, for I, him you know everybody how long has Mourinho been there now two and a half years what sort of team are Man United yeah like you couldn't say mm, could you? No. which is, com- is a, just no a damning indictment d- d- despite that I would argue there were actual one or two glimpses of them playing well last they were, I thought the first 10 minutes they were very good sort of. <laughs> but yeah which says it all really the, the tempo is very high they were pressing but then after that it, do you know, it almost looked like they were unfit which, was a, which is a very mm. big statement but it did yeah. look like that to me and, and obviously we all know about how slow Arsenal have been starting games and that was obviously an instruction from Mourinho but yeah they Arsenal scored their goal and then Man United just yeah fell to bits really so Manchester United have made a total of 46 changes yeah. to their starting 11 in the Premier League so far this season wow mm. more than any other team in the competition yeah He doesn't know his best team. No, he doesn't. That's, yeah, that's like I just said. It's he doesn't know what his best team is. He doesn't know what. No one knows what sort of team they are. And I'm actually surprised that there's not been more sort of unrest with fans at Old Trafford. They've Mourinho's almost brainwashed them into thinking that this is good enough, and it's not, is it? Really, this Man United at home to Arsenal. The last 10 minutes of the game last night, Arsenal looked like the team that were going to win it, and that's just. It's just embarrassing, I think, for my Fred not even in the squad. Oh, yeah, and, and he, yeah, sorry, I'm, I'm going off it. But he complains about not being given money. He spent 55 million on Fred and he's not even in the squad. Mm-hmm. And it, yeah, it's just, yeah, it's, he's got to go, I think. Okay, any final talking points from the game? Um, I thought Eric Bailly played well. Oh, yeah. Um, I thought he did well, considering he hasn't played since the end of October. Um, but I would also worry about David De Gea. They've conceded 25 goals now. They conceded 28 for the entirety of last season. I think his head's elsewhere. And I think, obviously, the contract issues is ongoing, but he looks like he might want to leave or he's being told that he should look to leave, I think. Off to Juventus. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> um, Patrick Anunziata has... And I hope I'm pronouncing that right, Patrick. Uh, if and when Jose Mourinho is sacked, uh, who would be... 
believe is the best fit for the job. We sort of answered that already. But would we consider Nicky Butt? No, isn't the one who would answer okay. that. Um, he was manager of the under-23s last season and they got relegated mm-hmm. into, uh, into the second division. And he was also Moyes' assistant, which doesn't really bode well. Yeah. Okay. So, no. Sorry, Nicky. Yeah. Alex Peck uh, says, as you know, Emery and co are gearing up to let Ramsey walk at the end of this season so they don't have to pay him his 200 thousand a week god Aaron Ramsey 200,000 mm, yeah. a week however based on past performances Emery's comments based on Ozil's physicality or lack thereof and Ozil's lingering in- injury issues should Arsenal offer Ramsey an improved deal I, I I do have sympathy for Arsenal here because Aaron Ramsey is not a 200 grand a week footballer he's just not He's not consistent enough. He's good, but he's not that good. And if you pay him that, then other players, Bellerin, whoever else, are going to ask as well. So somewhere you've got to draw the line. But I think they've offered, they've given Ozil this new contract, which is one of the best in the Premier League. And that looks, they've chosen Ozil over Ramsey and that looks like it might be a gamble that won't pay off. I think there's this conspiracy theory going around <laughs> that is um, about Ozil playing too much Fortnite and that's that's giving him back injuries sort of sat in a chair for hours on end which because he's basically played a bazillion yeah, which, games of it or whatever over 5,000 games yeah. is what I read no I've never played a single no, game I've, but, I've never played either but that does sound like quite a lot if you could email in and let us know what yeah. Fortnite is that would be helpful <laughs> but I'd, having said that Ramsey shouldn't get off with this money I do think that whoever gets him is getting a brilliant player and because he's leaving on free he will then be offered however much money he wants and Mm -hmm. if he goes to Juventus if he goes to Bayern Munich I think he'll be a brilliant player wherever he goes but I do have sympathy for Arsenal I just want to say is Aaron Ramsey going to Juventus? uh, no I don't don't think so it looks to be Bayern Munich yeah They, said, they also said Milan in the past mm. with Gazzidis. Yeah. And, oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. But I'm not too sure about Ramsey either, uh, about, about Bayern either, but sorry. <laughs> no, I want to say that this is just an off topic um, little thing is that I think this is the transfer market, market uh, will go in this direction in the next year. So actually, more players will end the contracts and then decide where to go mm. because they can be offered money and also the agents can get more money with this. Um, yeah. this thing so yeah. I think this is something that we're going to see even more now it's like a surprise or oh, Ramsey is going in no it makes it makes sense from a player perspective exactly and and like the NBA like maybe shorter contracts like one two years and then they can decide it more hmm. uh, year after year what he can do Leon Goretzka joined Bayern on a free exactly. there are rumours that he got like a signing fee around 20 million euros from Bayern what? yeah this is, these are yeah, rumours like no, no Emre Can is written down 16 million yeah. is what he got what? 16 million to go. Emery Chan? Yeah. And you are joking. Juve, instead of paying Liverpool, they pay the agent. Yeah. So and for them, it's the same. They don't, they don't Bayern care. Bayern has been that. doing that for quite a while. I remember Sebastian Deisler, uh, f- former German talent, getting an outrageous 10 million euros back in 2001 mm. when he left Hertha on a free. Mm. So Same with Lewandowski as well. Yeah. yeah. Alex, mm. you should have tried harder. Yeah, I know, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I one country. Where's my one football side? Um, Pedro Bahia, emailing in to say, I've noticed you rarely discuss the teams in the lower half of the English table as we approach January what teams do we think are the most in danger of getting relegated mm. Alex you've made notes about this I have made notes go for it uh, well actually I listen, don't say Fulham no don't I listened <laughs> listen back to our preview oh yeah just to confirm did you really and I did say that Burnley would be in trouble oh before they were in the Europa but League that's something whenever I see a predict? team where Sam Volks <laughs> actually plays I don't know where it comes from, but I'm not a big Sam Vokes fan. No. What have you got and against uh, Sam Vokes? I can't even I can't even tell what it is. <laughs> I don't 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 know what it is. I just don't like Sam. I Vokes. won't have any Sam Vokes anti Sam Vokes bias on this podcast. But um, Burnley. Yeah, I think Burnley are in trouble. Sean Dyche, after they lost to Palace on Saturday, said the best team won, and that is not something that Sean Dyche usually says. Um, you know, obviously they lost to Liverpool last night you can lose to Liverpool that's fine but they're sort of losing to the teams around them which is a bit of a worry they're not big spenders um, so yeah I'd be a bit worried for Burnley um, I don't think Cardiff have enough quality at all to be honest lost to West Ham in the week um, I mean they could spend 50 million and I don't think they'd stay up really okay. um, and then the other team that I have is Huddersfield um, oh yeah I'd I like really like David David Wagner. He's obviously done an amazing job, and they had a great win against Wolves the other weekend. But they just don't score enough goals. 
so they if they want to stay in the division they need to buy a striker but then who do they buy that will go to Huddersfield that will score them 15 goals in the second half of the season so they have to be clever with who they with who they spend money on I would one player from the championship that I think is really good and it would probably be available for about 10 million is Kimar Roof at Leeds oh yeah, yeah, yeah um I know he's been linked with Southampton and Palace in the past, but I think if, if you're looking for one player from the Championship, which is potentially available, Kimaru would be a good... Uh, for me, it's crazy to see who actually is in that squad, in that Huddersfield squad. There's yeah. so many like rejects from the German... World Cup winners it's, in that squad. It, it, is, it is insane to see all these um, A final word about Chelsea and then we'll move on. Yeah, I, I just I'm, I'd be a bit worried if I was a Chelsea fan right now, oh. to be honest. Two defeats in three games now. Um, I just... Sarri is picking fights with the press over Kante which I think is weird um, he seems sort of unwilling to adapt to that 4-3-3 and I think teams have now realised that if you stop Jorginho you stop Chelsea um, they've got City at the weekend they lost to Wolves last night I, I, lo I really like Sarri and I think he's turned Chelsea into one of the best teams to watch but they've lost some what, what they've gained they've definitely lost in sort of sort of a steeliness so Yeah, I'd be a bit concerned. Okay. Uh, can I just say something about this? Because this is very similar to what happened in Napoli mm. the first season. I mean, uh, they figured out how to play against them pretty quickly. I mean, I wasn't expecting the Chelsea to be that good from September mm. since he arrived, also, not even at the start of the preparation. So it's normal, I think, that there will be some games like this and he's the first one that he's worried he said yesterday in the, um, after the game that he's worried about the situation because he doesn't understand why there was no reaction after the, the goal conceded so I think it's normal and but I think they will still get, get in the top four of this oh, Premier League I, I mean they rely they rely so heavily on Jorginho and also Hazard and Hazard hasn't scored in five now I think he's so, going through one of his dry patches yeah again. so that and that really sort of puts into perspective how good he was at the start of the season so I got yeah. a lot of hate recently for suggesting Hazard was the most overrated player right now um, <laughs> I'm still standing by it mm, okay <laughs> I got a message this morning from a friend saying Pogba is the most overrated player, player alive but that's a different that's topic. a different one <laughs> so last weekend we had a derby pack weekend in England this week is the third of Germany the yes. Bundesliga and the Revere derby Great this derby. is a big one isn't it Nico it is it is Germany's Her most important derby and uh, yeah so fuck all that their classic <laughs> or nonsense <laughs> this, no. is, this is the actual well, proper derby is. The it's just, it doesn't fit the Sky's billing basically it, absolutely <laughs> yeah. the Classica is a great game and a, it's to, to me one of the most watchable games all over Europe every year but still though Schalke versus Dortmund are it is the biggest derby in Germany and nobody can tell you anything else There was a derby in Munich until 1860, 1860 got absolutely ruined by an investor. There were, there were derbies in the middle of Germany, Offenbach-Frankfurt, but Offenbach's playing fourth division now. Mm. So this, that's the only derby that left, and it's the most important one. And um, it is crazy. Um, I, I can't wait for it, honestly. We had a few great derbies in the last few years. Um, last year we had that 4-4 where Schalke, I think, came back from, from being down 4-0 at halftime. Um, they came back, scored in the 94th minute, the equalizer. I remember watching it with friends and it more or less felt like Schalke just won 6-0 just, just because the, the emotional uh, the moment was so strong the momentum that just felt like a Schalke win and like this Dortmund team there's never a good time to play them but for Schalke in the situation they are right now like you can't lose I mean you can lose and then it's horrible for your fans but Everybody kind of expects that. Okay. If you win it, though, mm -hmm. you're in a really, really good position. We've talked about Dortmund quite a bit on the podcast yeah. before, so I want, we wanted to concentrate on Schalke for this one. It, the season started off so badly for them. <laughs> so badly. Lost five in a row. Well, Schalke has... Uh, their coach is Domenico Tedesco, who was more or less completely unknown when he took over Schalke. He was just coaching Erzgebirge Aue, second division side, for a few games. He took them over, and they immediately finished uh, second in the league in his first season, and... Um, Everybody kind of overhyped them then because to be very fair 
everything they did was a very, very well-organized defense. Mm -hmm. And there's a German saying, vorne hilft der liebe Gott, which means up front, God will help. And that's what Schalke does. Uh, just <laughs> that's a good one, isn't it? <laughs> up front, God will help. Yeah. Yeah. It's, mm -hmm. uh, because, and that's what they do. They're, it's Italian, they're, of course. <laughs> up, dude, it is. I mean, Tedesco is an Italian name, even though I think no, he's it means, He was born in Italy, actually. And it means yeah. the German. Tedesco means yeah, yeah, the German. Exactly, is, that right? yeah, exactly. so is that right? Yeah, yeah. Tedesco oh, wow. means German. So it's a nice okay. mix there. And he plays, uh, an, I'd say, Italian approach of football. <laughs> and um, but they overperformed last season. They completely did. They it was good for them. The Dortmund played so bad, and they were just they were just there. They were just there. It was up for the grabs for second place, and they were there. And then beginning this season, the defense wasn't as good. And since that was the only thing that they good last year, they lost five in a row. Since then, it got better. Um, Salif Sané started working out better. Um, Tedesco actually started to change a few things in the system, which he just wasn't willing to do at the beginning, even though everybody could see it's not working out. What did he change? Um, he actually started getting... So he always started, played three in the back. Um, normally it was Naldo, Zane and uh, Nastasic. Um, and now he actually started playing four in the back and it worked out at least certain occasions quite good. Um, even though I'm pretty sure he's going to be back with the three against Dortmund. And... Um, And Schalke started having the luck they deserved because what you also got to give them is they worked hard at the beginning of the season. They were very unlucky. They worked hard though and they just couldn't score. It was dreadful to see and then um, actually started working out and Bolo scored. Then he got injured. Uh, <laughs> Uts started scoring, got injured, but he started scoring um, and that's how they, they're slightly, they're slightly climbing the, the table a little bit and I'm quite confident they will finish somewhere maybe even a European uh, Cup that high yeah look the team is so if you just look at the names then you're like this is not a good team but knowing what this team has done and um, how nasty they were to play against last season I still believe they can be decent and they've had tons of injury problems that is the, that is the main problem mm -hmm. uh, it's actually crazy I don't think there's another team that has that much problems at the moment um, like I said it's um, basically they play up They have no strikers left. Well, Burgstaller was out, the Austrian guy. Embolo is out. Ud is out. So at the moment they're playing Steven Skripski at the uh, up front, who came from Union Berlin as a second second division club, and they <clears throat> even tried Haji Wright, mm. uh, who was. I'm very sorry, he was so bad. He's, I didn't like what I saw that. But on the other hand, he was loaned out to Sandhausen last season. And he wasn't even got there. So that was... One, one goal in 15 games for Sandhausen. Yeah, yeah. Even Alex could do better than that. <laughs> that is, uh, yeah, he's not good. And that is the problem with Schalke. And it's, it's everywhere. And um, that's another problem they have is their, their squad came together quite late. They were still trying to make transfers. And um, that was... Everybody said that um, at the beginning of the season, they said this squad is very thin. The, there is very little depth in attacking and in the center back positions. And that's exactly what already is hunting them. Um, they had injury problems in the center back position, leading to Alessandro Schöpf playing as a center back, who's an offensive midfielder normally. <laughs> <laughs> it's just not his favorite position. And Skripski up front or Haji right up front. And that just tells you this team uh, need, they need transfers in the wind. Okay, talk to us about Weston McKinney. I like Weston a, McKinney a lot. There's a lot of talk around him. I like him a lot. Um, Great he, name. He lost oh. his he lost his starting spot though. You know, in the last three games, he's he's always getting subbed in though. He's kind of like a super sub because he comes in and is a very energetic player. He's a smart player. He reads the game very well, especially for his young age. Um, I'm happy that Tedesco finally figured out that. In my opinion, his best position is right in the center of the field, not as a center back, um, but as a central midfielder. He's very good there. Um, but, I mean, Tedesco is working with him every day, and he still thinks that Rudi, Suatserda um, are better options at the moment, at least to start the game. So there has to be something to it. But um, technically, he brings, if you ask me, everything to the table that you want to have from, from your central midfielder. Will he start? I don't think so. It's been much firm. Yeah, it is. I don't think so. I would start. Oh, okay. I would start him over Sebastian Rudi. Rudi obviously has all like he has seen everything in, in world football, mm -hmm. so that's why he's going to start. But he has not been good, even though he has been better the last few games. I would go with a more energetic approach because you're playing Dortmund here. Uh, you're not going to have time to play the Sebastian Rudi game of having the ball for 45 minutes uh, <laughs> and, and just looking for a pass of eight meters. 
Okay. Anything else you want to mention about this game before I ask you for a prediction? No, it's I uh, just highly recommend everybody to watch it. It's going to be absolutely heated. It always is. Um, it's in Schalke. Yeah, it's in Schalke. Mm -hmm. And the good thing about the, the derby is, like I said, anything can happen there. Obviously, Dortmund is the clear favorite, but Schalke is going to give everything they have, especially in front of their home crowd. So it's going to be fun to watch. Okay. Zero, zero. <laughs> it would be a success for Schalke. <laughs> Elsewhere, Southampton have said goodbye to Mark Hughes and hello to Ralph Hasenhüttl. Yeah, I was did looking I, forward I get to the, you saying I get the name. Yeah, I got it. It was okay. quite good. Hasenhüttl would be perfect. Uh, yeah. okay. It was my, my very first uh, thought was, oh, I can't wait for English journalists to say his name. <laughs> They're already the Ausstellung Club, right? Uh, yeah. <laughs> Tell us what I mean. What can Southampton expect from him? Because you will have watched him with Leipzig. Yeah. Well, the Austrian club is actually not too far off. It's not not the worst uh, uh, idea you can have of him. He's playing a very fast style of attacking football from a well organized defense. Um, he did it at Ingolstadt before he went to Leipzig too. Um, but first of all, what you get is a very very self confident manager. He speaks his mind. Um, he definitely thought, even when Guardiola was coaching in the Bundesliga, that he's the best coach in the Bundesliga. Um, so I don't what? know how, that, how well that fits in the Premier League. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Okay. Well, this, he never said it out loud, but it's just uh, what you get from him. Okay, the vibe. Um, the but, vibe, Nico. Yeah, but he's mm -hmm. definitely a player, that a uh, coach that can build up a system. But if you ask me, and I've never seen him do it, He's not the kind of coach that would take over in the middle of the season. There's no real winter break in England, um, so there's not that much time to get his players used to the, to the system. So I'm curious to see how this will work out. The risk is very high of yeah. a failure. That's what I would say. There's if a you, lot to be done at Southampton. Yeah. <laughs> if you would have gotten him in the summer break and he had the entire, yeah, exactly. the entire summer break to uh, adjust the system and everything... Gabbiadini is not going to be enough for something. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so a couple of questions from listeners Kyle McLaughlin first let me say I love the pod living in New York your podcast helps keep me sane on the subway wow. good, good to say sane on the subway I would say is it time for people to stop referring to David De Gea and Manuel Neuer as the best keepers in the world Yes. I never said yeah. that oh, before. Okay. Manuel Neuer, yes. I yes. Did. Okay, yeah. judging on current form there are clearly a few keepers who are just not good if not better uh, he says Oblak and Ter Stegen mm. Top three goalkeepers then? Anybody want to reel this off? In the history or right now? No, right now. I would say Oblak is number one. Allison, number mm. two. You don't even, you don't look nah, confident about you're that. sleeping on Ter Stegen. As, as a German, I got to say, Ter Stegen for me is number two behind Oblak. Do you think? Ter Stegen yeah. is more complete, I think, Stegen's for me. Ter Stegen's a good keeper. Yeah. I do like Allison. Oh, Edison, maybe Edison. Mm. Oh, there's two. Edison, Edison, Edison. All of these, Donnarumma was the only one inserted in the Coppa Trophy, so I would say Donnarumma. <laughs> 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 not me, not me. Former Ballon d'Or winner said that. <laughs> uh, you remember last week we were talking about Dun and Dusted? Yeah. And Anthony Lewis. Yeah, yeah. And we course. were wondering about his nationality. Exactly. He has been in touch with us. What he said? He says he's American. Ah, ah. I said that. Yeah, <laughs> you did say that. Okay, very good. Moving on, I have a question for all of you. Who can explain this Europa League to? <laughs> I mean, I've, I haven't got a I, I would say Control C, Control V of Europa League. Yeah. That's it. <laughs> That's it? With, well, the, and the Europa League is going to have less teams. Half, to half, the, half the amount of teams Europa League exactly. is going to have. Yeah. And worse team will play this competition. Yeah, it's basically That's it. smaller <laughs> smaller countries get more starters. Macedonia, Austria, mm -hmm. these teams. And it's actually Ireland. even, if you finish, <laughs> from all I read, if you finish third in your Europe, your, your Europa League group, you actually get relegated to Europa League too. Oh, so like the Champions League. Like the Champions oh, League. Right, it is okay. just like Francesco said, it's copy and paste mm -hmm. with worse teams. Yeah, yeah. Oh. But that's one thing about is this, good, is this that a good idea? the Europa League will be better at least. I don't oh. think it's a good idea. Yeah, it's, that's the idea, right? It should basically uh, give more value to the Europa League. Why don't they just cut the thing Europa League in half and then not have this Europa League too? What do you mean, cut it in half? Just, well, like just don't put as many teams in there and well, then don't less, have less don't teams, have, less games, less money, and then have less releg don't have the relegation from the Champions League because that devalues the whole competition. Oh. No, the idea is to give, I think more uh, credibility to the Champions League at the end of this story because the, many clubs want the Super League and the Super League is not going to happen uh, like NBA style with no relegation no, um, no change and 
So if there are other competitions that are way worse than the Champions League, we are going to see the Champions League in another way mm. at the end. And oh, in the future, yeah, yeah, yeah. some clubs will have more assurances that they will play the Champions League, like Juventus, like uh, like now they're doing this historic uh, mm-hmm. you know, ranking. That's why Italy has four uh, teams in the Champions League for the historic ranking. And I think in the future, we're going to see something similar, like whoever wins the Champions League is going to play the Champions League uh, anyways, even Guaranteed, if they get like uh, eighth in the league, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. we're going in a direction that... It's going to be in, the, in between what clubs want and what UEFA wants. Okay. It's very complicated, very boring. So I, I'm I've already lost interest. <laughs> I just want to know when it comes into play. 2021? Yeah. yeah. Oh, that's miles away. Yeah. Don't have to worry about but it yet. Honestly, just imagine your team plays in the Europa League 2. I can just, like, as a Frankfurt fan, yeah. all, my only thought would be, great, we're playing a third competition that is right now for me completely worthless from mm. all I see and it just the injury is very high uh, the risk is very high that we perform bad in the Bundesliga because we have to play a third yeah but because you're seeing from a Frankfurt perspective think about like I don't know from Dundalk Sassuolo perspe- uh, fan, there are no fans of Sassuolo but anyway. <laughs> uh, let's say uh, Atalanta fans if they go to the Europa League, they uh, they lost against Borussia Dortmund, of course. But maybe if they play this competition, they might have any chance to win the competition. Yeah, but what yeah. is it? Would it's it a bit like the Cup Winners' Cup. You remember the Cup Winners' Cup? That was yeah, cool, yeah, yeah. Anglo Italian. Because it was a weird mix. That's one for the kids. It was a weird. <laughs> it was a weird. <laughs> all right. Well, anyway, it's it's a rubbish idea, and we all hate it, and yeah. that's that's summarized. Yeah. Okay, very good. Now, if you've gotten this far in the podcast, you are not going to be disappointed because Francesco is here. <laughs> And he's here with a friendly neighborhood update on all things Milan. Yeah. There's so many interesting things going on with Milan at the moment. It's the team that actually is changing most in the last year. Uh, new property, a real one this time. What do you mean new property? <laughs> uh, because now is the Elliot found, um, not Elliot, our owner. colleague. Oh, okay. <laughs> uh, the owner of the, the team is the a found, mm-hmm. which is called Elliot. It's an American found. Mm-hmm. And they brought in this new CEO, which was a uh, former general manager of Arsenal. Oh, Gazidis. Yeah. Mm. So there's a lot of going on. Transfer market, they have a lot of ideas. They want to buy uh, Fabregas, as example. Or, well, we're going to get to that. Don't spoil okay, that. Don't spoil that. that. Just, we'll yeah. so you want to start with Gattuso, I know that. Well, I want to, I want to say fourth in the table, 15 points behind Juventus, but only four behind Inter and Napoli. Yeah. Is that a good season so far for Milan? I think it's it's better than what we're, they were thinking at the beginning. And uh, of course, there was a lot of ambitions with the arrival of Higuain. But Higuain is not Cristiano Ronaldo. He doesn't change teams in that way. Uh, Milan right now, what is missing, it's a structure. So they don't have like a... a duels to many injuries. They don't have like a clear structure of the team. They're changing a lot. And that's only, um, that's a factor. But uh, overall, I would say that the, uh, the job that Gattuso has done in the last 12 months, it's outstanding. Really? End. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because uh, also he has tactical ideas and that's very surprising because everyone is thinking of oh, Gattuso, yeah, uh, his uh, psychological uh, strength and all of these things. Not true. Gattuso has ideas. He changed the, um, the team completely. Now they play with two strikers, which one is Cutrone and which is Higuain. Maybe Ibrahimovic in the future, but we'll get into that. And uh, so there is... He's changing, he's adapting his ideas to the team. And that's, I think, something that not many managers do right now. So tactically, he's, he's getting there. He's getting there, he's good. And that's surprising, but why surprising? Just because we knew Gattuso from a, as a player and we mm-hmm. see, oh, mm-hmm. he was a very basic player. He's mm-hmm. not going to have, uh, as you say, uh, good tactical ideas. Mm-hmm. That's the proof that exactly the contrary. His wife is Scottish. Yeah, it's true. Mm. I think he met her in when he was when he playing Rangers. When he, Rangers. Yeah. when he was at Rangers, yes, that yeah. is very true. I wonder how he feels about Arne Baru. I bet he loves it. You bet he loves it? Yeah, okay, that's good to know. Okay. So you've already spoiled the Ibrahimovic thing. Yeah. Well, there's actually there's a couple of things I want to ask you about, because okay. you are the transfer guru. <laughs> Ibrahimovic, Fabregas, and there were reports the other day that Milan won't pay the money for Higuain and he's going back to Juventus. So there you go. Let's T- start. T- tell us all about it. Okay, let's start with Higuain. Okay. Yeah, Higuain, 99.9% is going to stay at Milan. Uh, Sorry, Milan fans. <laughs> no, no. 
first of all because he doesn't want to go, uh, get back to Juve uh, there is Cristiano they didn't want him anymore there so he doesn't want to go back that couldn't That's be any more awkward if he went back mm. exactly mm-hmm. but second of all Milan had like a, a loan plus option not because they wanted to do this because for the wafer restrictions and for financial fair play Milan could afford uh, Higuain uh, to buy the old money for Higuain last June last August when was that so they split the money in loan and option to buy um, the thing is they paid the loan like I don't know like 18 million something like that if you pay the loan 18 millions his salary is around uh, 7 7.5 which means that it's doubled for a club so it's like 15 for the club so they paid Higuain 35 million <laughs> like for, something like that for, for one year basically so this means that financially not buying him will be a disaster yeah. for the finance how of much is the option like um it's like 30, 30 something, right, something like okay. that. So I'm not uh, talking about the total, but if you split the money like five years, which is what Milan is going to do, the salary and the money they bought for him, uh, it makes sense. For one year, 35 million, not even Cristiano but cost. Alex. That will mean they will, <laughs> end up, they will end up playing 55 million euros for a 30-year-old striker. That is doesn't seem to I mean, be the fittest player. Even more if you consider the years of contracts and how much he gets. Yeah, even more. That is so, a lot of money. Yeah, add on his food bill as well. This <laughs> goes, goes through the roof. Ibrahimovic. Ibrahimovic. Um, all the media in Italy is, gonna, is talking about this. So this means that it's probably going to happen. But it's not like done as you as you told me the other day. It's not going to be announced <laughs> today or tomorrow. There are still a lot ex- of things. I got excited for Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know. I am excited too, actually. But um, it takes time, these kind of things. Also, they need to figure out how many month he's gonna stay slash years mm-hmm. because my impression is that even if you won't move for six months it's not David Beckham who goes back for oh, six months I don't think he's gonna go he'll go back to LA I don't think so I don't think he's oh, willing that's to that's very interesting maybe he's willing to do that in like one year mm-hmm. one and a half year and then going back to LA but I don't see Ibrahimovic going now I know it's gonna happen after I say this but I don't see Ibrahimovic going back for four mm-hmm. months and then what? My question is if he's still good enough for Serie yeah, A. Is yeah, he really what they yeah, need? Yeah. I mean, he's not going to play every game, of course. But Ibrahimovic, I, f- I mean, I'm totally in love with Zlatan Ibrahimovic. <laughs> no, I have to say that if he is you. the one that should have won the Ballon d'Or, for example. <laughs> and uh, I think he's still good. Like, he can still make goals he can still be important for Milan but now we have to see because now um, Milan is gonna get fined by the UEFA for the financial situation and so they have to see if they actually can uh, get Ibrahimovic because okay. the salary is not as mine or yours no, <laughs> certainly not not even all of ours combined <laughs> yeah. tripled. Uh, Fabregas Fabregas Casari uh, was saying he wants to hold on to him I mean, that's very normal in transfer yeah. markets, saying that managers love the players and that he doesn't play Fabregas. So. And Fabregas <laughs> has been linked with Milan before. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He also, yeah, in the past also was linked to, to Milan, also when he was an Arsenal, I think. And mm. for sure, I think he wants to move. He wants to go somewhere else. That's a factor. Uh, I think also that um, Milan needs a midfield in that position because Chanoglu and many injuries uh, Bonaventura is, is not going to play until Christmas 2019 oh. what? so Bonaventura is done for one year Christmas 2019 yeah, yeah, yeah. he's done like yeah. he broke completely his uh, ligament and so uh, so it's bad uh, so they need the midfield for sure mm-hmm. and Fabregas I think is a good option as I said with Ibrahimovic he's not the midfielder he's going to play every single game uh, they're talking about two and a half years contract so it's a long term project and I think this is also connected to Bakayoko and uh, I, all that um, all the mess with that I, yeah. I love the idea though like I, not that I'm a big fan of Fabregas but having like there would be Milan all over again like old players that are actually way too old but that make a squad because it reminds Mil- me of the early 2000 mid 2000s Milan which for me was one of the scariest teams in the Champions League every single year yeah. after after sorry if I interrupt mm-hmm. after 2005 when they lost against Liverpool the, same, yeah. the famous Istanbul final mm-hmm. um, everyone was saying okay Milan is done right now Gattuso wanted to leave the game, uh, Milan because he, he said, actually, I don't want to wear this jersey anymore mm-hmm. after this game. There were questions over Pirlo. 
question Seedorf, remember Seedorf? Nesta, Maldini, the same team that everyone considers done two years after won the Champions League again. Mm. So, but I mean, it's not the same, of course. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but, you know what they I mean? Should, because of the yeah. old players. And I just remember them playing Bayern basically every year. And you always felt like, okay, this year Bayern can do it. And then this team was yeah, just but they, too smart. They also have very good young players right, right now. Yeah, and yeah. They have uh, um, Romagnoli, the defender. They have Donnarumma. They have, they have Cutrone. They have Caldara. We, we didn't see right now, but he was part of the Juventus deal with... Calabria? Is he? Calabria. Yeah, I, I wouldn't consider as a promising player but no? a good player yeah. okay I, I, yeah. well. do you know who they need to, to complete all of this they need to just bring back Kevin Prince Boateng oh yeah <laughs> that would be amazing hey. oh he would love it hey. he just would love say, it yeah. no, I mean it. he went to Sassuolo just because it's the closest city to Milan yeah uh, city, said that I would say <laughs> I would say town the city is like okay. five, uh, five thousand people Sassuolo he got asked what's the best about Sassuolo and he said the pasta and the highway to Milan <laughs> Uh, because his wife and his son they live in Milan so yeah. ah, he wanted yeah. to go back to Milan and nobody was offering a contract <laughs> no even no yeah. Inter no Milan I don't know why honestly because I think Inter will need a number 10 in that position for example since Nangolan is not doing very good right now right now <laughs> do you want to uh, tomorrow is um, Juventus Inter yeah do you want to say a quick word about this and then we'll wrap up for the day sure sure okay. um so of course it's a huge game uh, Derby Italia. Derby Italia mm. uh, Juventus has won every single game in Serie A except the draw against Genoa so I think now is the only team that did that in Europe because PSG uh, yeah. drew uh, two games yeah. mm -hmm. in the last two games so uh, they are of course the best team in Serie A no need to say this uh, we, we know that and Inter He's doing quite good. Uh, they drew against Roma. It was an incredible game and with so many uh, chances for both teams. So I see, of course, Juve to win the game at the end. But It's in Juventus. It's in Turin. Mm -hmm. um, we see Spalletti is the kind of manager that always uh, tries something new in these kind of games. And didn't work out many times maybe this one is going to work out it's good to try there is a lot of uh, talking about Inter because of Nangolan is injured and he played Nangolan against Tottenham and he had to substitute him because he wasn't good Lautaro Martinez who for me is one of the best promising players for the next five years uh, is not playing a lot because of course Icardi is there so mm. Luciano Spalletti sees him as a replacement for Icardi and also the dad of Lautaro Martinez tweeted something uh, you saw that he tweeted uh, oh this piece of shit against <laughs> 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 the manager as it, was a, yeah. it was a big deal of course but yeah. um, I hope for Spalletti because I think he's a great manager I hope the Inter fans will not see this Lautaro thing as a um, as a way of judgment for Spalletti because Lautaro has 21 years old so mm. he's very young He's, uh, he's gonna stay at Inter, I think, for many years, and so he will have chances to perform. If Icardi leaves Inter, for example, he will mm -hmm. be the striker for Inter. Mm -hmm. uh, but he might be an option, actually. Okay. João Mario is back in the, in the, in the table, he's mm -hmm. back in the book. And uh, Gabigol will be back soon, too. Gabigol will be back, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So Juventus 3, Inter nil. I think Inter will score at least one goal, come okay. on. 3-1. Three, one. Three, one. <laughs> okay. Well, that's all from us today. We're all off to our Christmas party. My thanks to Nico, Francesco and Alex. And thanks to you for listening. Remember, if you want to send questions over, the address to do so is podcast at onefootball.com.